1: Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.
2: We are a small secondary college in a country town in Northern Victoria, Australia. We believe that we are unique.
3: My name's Matt Carver. Current principal at St Mary of the when Angels. When
1: we arrived, there were was an old. So I've got
2: a podcast um, which I run through my little school.
1: Hi, my name is Michaela Brooks. I'm the senior school team leader. My favourite thing about St Mary's is the students.
4: So if you are interested in education or just what it's like to be someone who's in a small country town in Victoria in Australia, I'd love you to listen at Angels and Angels. All the second stage tanks now pressurised.
5: The podcast that I'm working on at the moment so and. This is this is is going to be released sometime in the new year. It's the story of how a small little Wiltshire town became one of the most weirdest places on the planet. A focus for UFO sightings and all kinds of things. To the point that a local paper actually put out a headline of Prepare for Alien Invasion. There's this really brilliant story about people who belonged to UFO groups and the rivalry between them. That's the story that I've been fascinated with since I was a kid, because I lived just down the road. So look out for it. It's just simply called Warminster. E.T.
6: This podcast is a Royfield-Brown production. Find others on iTunes.
0: All right.
1: Yeah, I know. This is Dumpty Dum, sponsored by managers.
5: Is Dumby Dump the show about <laughs> the Ducky Drama that is centered in an Ambridge in the heart of the Midlands? I'm the plump free range turkey who is Royfield Brown, with me, have our feathered friend, Pose Swerve the Auction, who is Kerry Warbis, And this week's chlorinated shot is Peter Fickling. And this week's Dumby Dump is from Francesca Wordsalad, our musical friend over there in Cardiff, the land where everyone can sing on. Point. Uh, now, Kerry, if someone else would like to sing us in a de dum, uh, no, let's. Of... <laughs> Kerry, if somebody else would like to sing us in a de dum, uh, we don't want any more festive ones, just saying that up front, because we have about another two festive ones and Christmas is in a matter of hours. So, right, we don't need festive ones, but if somebody likes to sing us in a de dum, how can that be done?
7: If you would like to sing us a Dumpty Dum or leave us a plot prediction, then call us on 0203 031 3105, leave us a message on SpeakPipe or send a text message starting with dum to 077 862 00690. Thanks to our social media supremos, to Cosmo for his podcast roundups, Mike Hatton for his character counts and Shana her voices, plus, of course, Lucy Vincreeman.
5: On this episode, we hear views from Cheryl, Brian, Quentin Rayner, uh, Jonah is back, uh, Fiona, Claire from Clapham and our Glynn. Now, uh, we don't have a hot topic of the week because um, we decided that uh, to be talking about uh, Eddie's turkeys would be a little bit too frivolous. I think we all know what the hot topic of the week is, and we're going to deal with that after it's Amber's the week that was in Ambridge.
4: Hello Dumpty Dum, I'm Amber, and on this week in Ambridge... Oliver and Eddie smuggle turkeys in a welcome break of Christmas frivolity. Scriptwriters writers twist the knife in further, as the horses quarrel about their multiple gratitudes to Philip. Tracy proves herself to be the only person in Ambridge with her head screwed on as she kicks Roman Trench into touch. Award for side character with the silliest name is still pending. In the absence of a Christmas pantomime, Victoria and Philip have a face-off for pantomime villain of the year. Hopes that no one can be that mean really, and that she's really a police officer undercover, go as yet unanswered. And that was the week in Ambridge.
5: Thank you for that, Amber. Uh, Pete, and uh, good to have you back just in time for Christmas. Just before we delve into uh, all the goings-on in Ambridge this week, do we have all of our presents and what tier are you both in?
7: We do. I've done all my presents. I've wrapped them. I'm in tier two here in Brighton, so not so bad, really. For example, I went to have a Sunday lunch in a pub yesterday um, so you can do things like that, whereas in the higher tiers three and four, that is not allowed. You... Are you suitably recovered? I actually, this week is the very, very first week that I've been, I'm totally normal, in inverted commas. did look uh, radiant on the old uh,
5: Friday Zoom. Be- ah. Quickly, I'm guessing that you're in an elevated tier. You're on an important tier. four. Tier. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Where well, you get uh, frog marched through... Uh...
8: Cheap dips of um, experimental vaccines by uh, Manha- uh, Matt Hancock's um, boot boys <laughs> every morning. Boot <laughs> um, so, yeah, not allowed to look out here. the window. Windows, <laughs> Kerry. They've been they've been bricked up for weeks now. It's yeah, it's, <laughs> um, it's serious here in London.
5: <laughs> Gosh, just in time for Christmas. So, um, what's Christmas going to be like in the Fickling household?
8: Um, beautifully dull, I hope. Um life's been way too exciting this year. So I mean I, I I am very, very sympathetic to a lot of my friends and family and everyone else's friends and family who've, you know, had their, their plans curtailed. But we'd already um, without wanting to sound smug, we had predicted that our beautiful Conservative government will muck things up so we had sort of we, we didn't even try and organise anything. Um so yeah.
5: Uh on that note, let's move on and have a little bit of this.
1: Hello, Ambridge 3962.
5: First off, it's me podcasting dad. It's Glyn, full of love. He's out and about. Hello, Dumpty Dum. It's Glyn here, uh, out on
9: location again. And uh, the pigs, well, I mentioned two or three weeks ago, they are back out in their field. So a picture of them will now appear on the Dumpty Dum Facebook page. And also I found some sheep, which are reasonably seasonable. Um, couldn't find any donkeys, but Know, sheep feature at this time of year and certain Christmas stories, so the sheep will be there too. Uh, turning to the archers and the sort of main issue of last week and whether we should have heard the voices of the slaves or not, um, I can fully understand where Royfield is coming from, and no, it wasn't absolutely necessary that we needed to hear those voices. Uh, I think we all had lots of empathy, uh, lots of understanding of the position already, lots of realisation of who the real victims were. But I think it was justified in that it did ensure that they are seen at this point in the denouement of the story as the main victims of Philip Moss, rather than being any sort of lingering sense that the main story is what impact this might have on Kirsty or the village or, or, or something else. And I think putting the focus on the main victims is the right thing to do. On the other story of the week, um, the curious case of Roman Trench. Well, I'm not sure what the actor that played Roman had done to upset the scriptwriters, but it seemed doubly cruel to get rid of him uh, and also to get rid of him in a way that saying to him oh well, we know you're an actor and we know you play an actor and the actor that you play is going to get a fantastic job in a fantastic location at a time when jobs for actors are really difficult difficult to come by and uh, that's how it seemed a bit cruel to me anyway happy <laughs> christmas or other festival to all in dumpty dumm land speak soon
7: Glynn amongst the sheep there <laughs> uh oh that's interesting is it already, we're straight in with the uh, whether the slaves should or shouldn't have had their voices heard as part of the archers. So, whilst he understands your point, Roy- Royfield, he does think it was justified so that the focus is on them as individuals and as being the main victims of Philip. Uh, if, if we go back, this story's
5: been out and in, in the wild since about March, and we've heard just about nothing in the greater scheme of things, actually from them since the big reveal. And I appreciate that you couldn't hear their voices. I suppose you could have actually heard their voices beforehand. Uh, But since the big reveal, we've literally really heard just about nothing. And I would say, has the story moved on? Uh, With fundamentally them almost being mute all the way through. Absolutely, it has. And I'd say that their kind of relative silence has actually spoke volumes. And as evidence, I'd give you the two episodes this week, which were really fundamentally uh, about the slavery storyline. So there was the episode with Blake, Kenzie and Jordan. And then there was the episode where we had Philip, Victoria and Gavin talking about the sale of the trio to Victoria And for me, the episode which was much, much more powerful and gave me a gut punch was the episode where they were sold. They're not in that episode at all. And it was underlined, if almost you could have it underlined, the utter inhumanity of the slavers with the portrayal of Victoria coming along in a flash car. She didn't care other than for her bottom line that one of the trio was actually still quite ill and recovering from his, from his injuries. That, for me, was a much more powerful issue, much more powerful episode than hearing the three of them together because I didn't need to hear them to have any more empathy. And I would say, did we not realise that these were young men, adults, who were vulnerable? We knew that anyway. I was touched because I'm a human being about the fact that they were so lost about really what their true situation was that they wanted to uh, get Philip present, yeah. But ultimately, the episode, which had the biggest punch, was the one where they weren't in. And for me, that just goes to underline that very eloquently, the scriptwriters have almost kind of agreed with my position in that, This has been going on for nine months and we literally haven't heard from them. And that is much more powerful, much more powerful. Anyway, that's me. It
7: it was a powerful episode to hear Victoria saying, you know, these lads could go for less than 20 quid and he's damaged goods anyway. And that definitely, you know, yes, it had power, but I still believe it was right and good to hear from Blake, Kenzie and Jordan themselves and to hear their perspective on things.
5: Mm. But we kind of knew their perspective. But listen, I, I appreciate that we, we're listening to a drama, but we're listening to a drama also about a really powerful and important topic, which I will hold my hands up and I think, Peter, you are the same. At the start of this, I was not aware that this was such a big issue. And I remember when it was revealed that they were modern-day slaves, I went, come on, you know, the archers have jumped the shark here. Completely utterly, hold my hands up so say that I was wrong. And uh, the bee uh, played a blinder with the, the depiction of the storyline and the fact that in 2020 there are people all surviving in this manner and there are people who want to profit off the backs of other human beings. It's just utterly shocking. And the other thing, and let's be honest about it, is what makes it probably even more shocking. This is white on white slavery. It's something which hasn't been mentioned at all. If these were immigrant Vietnamese uh, cockle shell pickers, you're going to go, well, it's these people who are other being abused and being exploited by other people who aren't British, who aren't English, who aren't the right stuff. Hats off to the beep. You know, as I said before, this is, without wanting to be overly dramatic about it, but, you know, my surname is Brown. My surname should not be Brown. My, my surname is the surname of my slaveholders, of the slaveholders of my ancestors. And large parts of my history have been totally being um, erased. My family's history has been totally being erased because of slavery. So this does have a certain resonance for me. But in terms of telling this story, there is no grey areas that the story's been told so powerfully and that the silence is is magnified by not having to hear them. And, And purely from a dramatic point of view, stylistically, if you tuned into The Archers without hearing that theme tune, on the episode where Blake, Kent, and Jordan were talking, that wasn't even an episode of The Archers. It wasn't. It was utterly jarring. But that is, in my greater critique of the whole storyline, by far the smallest uh, point that I want to make. But uh, I rest with my case here. And I know that there's a couple of other people who call in and say, mate, you're wrong, and uh, one or two that say, "Mm, yeah, fair
7: point. Yeah, it's interesting what you say there about it It didn't sound like the archers because I saw some tweets saying, you know, what's this? This isn't uh, normal, you know, tale of everyday folk kind of stuff. But good, there should be other elements of what goes on in the world brought into the mm. archers from time to time. And, you know, your point you make about there aren't any grey areas, I, I know what you mean by that, but I still think... <laughs> Um, I learned things from Blake, Kenzie and Jordan's conversation about those men. There's been
5: a lot of press about modern slavery off the back of this storyline. So just props to the BBC, because truly, just like sepsis, I was barely aware of it. I didn't realise it was such a big thing and it was actually a killer. That gained awareness uh, yeah. with me personally. Ditto with this as to how prevalent mm-hmm. it actually is. And as I said, it's not other. It's not Vietnamese cockle pickers. It's not Nigerian teenagers being smuggled into the country to be domestic servants at the hands of rich other uh, non-British people. But d- did we not honestly know that there's going to be human beings, young Brits, who are vulnerable that be part of this? Absolutely. And And this is where we are actually all complicit as a society that we can allow young people who've had a tough childhood not to have the support of the wider community and dare I say, the state so that by the time they leave their broken, hard households, if they even had it as children, uh, then they are prey to people like Philip Moss.
8: No, I I think I've been trying to think of the right way of saying this. And I I think that it's not a criticism. I think because you're a good-hearted man, I think you're suffering from a failure of empathy for people who don't have your curiosity for these topics, who don't have your innate sort of sense of concern for people who might be more vulnerable. And so one of the things that Glyn um, said, which I thought was very... um, uh, poignant was that he was saying about drawing focus back to the real fo- victims because we, if you have been watching Twitter for instance we have all been fussing around Gavin, what's Gavin's role, how complicit is he should get, you know Does he? is there any chance of redemption, poor old Kirsty has been, probably been far more concerned for Kirsty than there has been for the um, for the slaves, there's a slight contradiction to what you're saying because you're saying on the one hand that the BBC's done a great job of showing us about modern slavery and bringing it back to the fore and making people like you and me rush to Wikipedia to kind of research it some more but then also that we don't need to hear their stories or delve deeper. Now, you don't need to maybe, but there are plenty of people out there who, for instance, I think I mentioned to you before, Charles Barkley called out Michael Jordan for having a very unsympathetic and uncharitable attitude towards homeless people and would say, why don't they just get a job at McDonald's? And I think the point is that the value of hearing from the, from Kenzie, from Jordan, from Blake, from hearing about some of their backstory is to hear how these people have not just given up on life and then sort of found themselves drifting into, um, you know, Philip Moss's um, malign net. Um, they are people who have been exploited time and time again from childhood through to adolescence and then now into adulthood. And yes, for you, that's that's an innate and an easy understanding. But there are plenty of people out there who have to have that shown to them quite clearly. And I think that's the value
5: of it. It's a fair point. It's a fair point. But what I would say, though, is that after completely and utterly lauding and bigging up the writers, they made the decision to literally keep them mute from March. And I disagree
8: with that. I don't think they should have done that. I think, personally, well, I think we should have heard more it, from them. But...
5: Well, in hindsight, for me, because I'm so utterly, it's uh, you know this is a black and white issue. They should have actually had them on my since, right? They actually should have, and it's almost as if they've said, "Hmm, we can tell this story that here in their voices, you can understand this is slavery. So there is there is no moral ambiguity here, and and just for what it's worth." I don't care about Gavin Moss, and I know I've said this before, but for me, he's just part of the whole complicit evilness of it. Yes, it's dawning on him what he's part of, and that's great, but still, lucky him up, throw away the key as far as I'm concerned. right? But I appreciate that it, the the writing, is, the writing is so good that we are feeling empathy for a slaver. That that's great writing, but morally, it's incredibly clear.
8: Um, you brought up historic slavery and specifically to do with your family, and I think that's one of the reasons they need to have the voices of um, the you know of the the modern slaves. As with, for instance, if you say concentration camp, people immediately start to think about um, Jews and homosexuals and um, black people, in fact, and. And gays being sorry, I would say homosexual being rounded up for concentration camps in Nazi Germany. We don't think about the concentration camps in the Boer War. We don't think about concentration camps for the Japanese, you know, when they were interned during the Second World War. It's become a kind of an, an instant call and response: concentration camps equals um, the Ukraine and Germany and wherever else. And the same thing with historic slavery. Unfortunately, it's become an unnuanced. A um, uh, uh, kind of topic of discussion. We, when you say slavery, you think about black people being put in boats from Africa and being taken to the Caribbean and the, and the Americas. And so, in order to help to to breathe, to give that nuance, to give some extra shade to it, and to educate people about the fact how modern slavery takes place, you need to have you need to hear from the modern slaves. I think. And I think it's only recently for me, and I'm ashamed of this. My understanding was very much from the perspective of a colonial perspective, and I hadn't learned or taken the time to learn about the experiences of the people on the ground who were suffering. By the way, I do agree with you stylistically. I didn't like it at all, but that's a whole other conversation. But I did appreciate
5: what I learned. Our positions on this are actually remarkably close, right? And uh, to, to talk about historic wrongs. Yes, the very first concentration camps were set up by the British in the Boer War which is something which gets uh, neglected by casual observers of of history. So when it comes down to that institution, that way of corralling a people, we did it first. Full stop. We agree that stylistically the scriptwriters took a decision in March and obviously there's been conversations around that script table where even though fundamentally says, we're going to keep them mute, we can tell this story, it's incredibly powerful. At some point for added umph or emphasis or em- empathy, sorry, that's the word I said, not emphasis, empathy, I've decided to throw them in. I actually think, and maybe I believe too much in, I in, watched too many Disney movies, but to hear their voices afterwards, to give them a week after Philip Moss gets his comeuppance would have been much more powerful because symbolically what you're saying here are people and they are silent you don't have to hear them to be on their side however when they are released, when when the police swoop in, when Harrison Burns or whoever is going to go and rescue them and they get let out, then we hear them. It would have been much more powerful. But maybe it's because I believe in the Tooth Fairy and Disney movies that I think it would be much more powerful to hear them then. But I take your point, and it's a point really well made, Peter, that not everybody is some um, do-gooding, wannabe, liberal, guardian-reading, left of centre uh, bloke like me. I'm not going to say I think about slavery uh, all day, every day. Um, You can't be a West Indian Brit or even just a West Indian or an African American and not once or twice a week. Think about it or have a conversation about your position in society, wherever you are, and what it actually means. As I say to to my white friends often about slavery, this is as living and real thing to me. What is my surname? This the surname of the people that enslaved my great, 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 great grandfather. I can just about still do the greats to go back to when we we were slaves. But you know what? Uh, We should move on. Uh, Now it's Fiona and she's up in Aberdeen.
2: Hi, it's Fiona from Aberdeen here again. Sharing my vintage as requested. Helen and Rob's storyline, I'm afraid. I know that makes me a relative newbie. I did also want to clarify that when I said that Ambridge might support the builders, I did mean Blake and his two mates, not evil Phil, and less so, but still, evil Gav. Also, a plot prediction, not nonspecific, maybe plot possibilities if that's allowed, subject to romance. There'll be many singletons around, so who will end up with whom? Roy has to accept at some point Lexi has gone. Lily night ditch Ross if he's less fun than the night at the bingo. The scales surely must have fallen from Rex's eyes for Pip. Alistair's surely over Shula now. Jazzer, will the love-hate thing with Tracy play out like an old black-and-white movie? Amongst others, sadly Kirsty, possibly Chris. Toby, Shula, Pip, Jim, Peggy, not to be ageist. Too little time to cover the teenagers and the early 20s set. But where will Cupid's arrows land? Thanks again for a great podcast. Merry Christmas to all from Fiona in Aberdeen.
8: What a palate cleanser. Back to the arches <laughs> I love. Lots of silly talk about gossip about who's dating who and potentially who's going to exactly yes, you know, jump in the sack with who.
7: True, true. What a long list that was, though. I, I started writing them down thinking, yes, we'll discuss a couple of these. And I, I ran out of um, all these singletons who are looking for love in our beloved... Ambridge. You
5: put Shooter on that list, but she's only she looking did, yeah. for love from the Lord, though, isn't she? You know, but, so I think you can take her off the list. But yet
8: She just loves herself, good.
7: really, basically.
8: <laughs> did Fiona mention Toby? Someone was saying the other day how much they dislike Toby, and I, I, can't, I think I've got a big soft spot for him, so I'm curious about Toby, where he's going to end up. Maybe he'll fall back into um, um, Pip's um, malign grasp. Is Rex too young for Tracy? I'm trying to think of an alternative to Jazza. I mean, obviously, every every fibre in my body aches for um, Tracy and Jazza to get together, but um,
0: mm-hmm.
8: there's actually – one of the things that stuck out when Fiona was rattling off her list very elegantly was um, that actually there's not many obvious pairings. Maybe the reason we're saying Jazza and Tracy right. is because they are of an age and of a personality type, but all the rest are very disparate in terms of kind of like outlook and um, age range, right?
7: Yeah, exactly. Um, there's Alistair. Pip was mentioned as well. I mean, I can't imagine. I don't know who do you think could be with Pip? Well, Rex is off
8: to his council farm, isn't he? So that yeah, you know, that will be. He'll be going off there. Imagine Toby. I imagine Toby still will follow. Will follow suit and end up uh, end up mm. over over at that farm or whatever his new business will be once he's sold to. Yeah. Him. So implausibly sold his gin business. So I think we can, I think we can park them over there. That's that. Pip's going to need some kind of an equivalent of Ruth, isn't she? Some kind of um, overly excitable young student to patronize, to turn up on the farm as an intern. (laughs) Um, So, you know, like a a generational thing. Ben, Ben needs a mini Natasha. He needs another equally sort of um, obsessive. um, He needs a kind of, um, who's that lovely woman who's on, Um, I'm a massive fan. Um, who was on dragon's den the blonde lady deborah Meaden. josh needs oh, a deborah young Me- deborah Meaden. yeah
7: <laughs> josh or ben
8: uh josh or maybe ben actually okay. josh maybe maybe josh maybe josh has got entrepreneurial spirit to burn and actually it's ben who needs the uh, kick up the arse yeah. yeah yeah
7: mm, lots of love to come in the future for these people hopefully
8: Oliver and um, Eddie, no matter how stupid, arguing over turkeys—that's the kind of arches I, I, you know, I tune in for. Is this, is this just, is this just? Does it get you going, or is it just like, yeah, whatever?
5: I suppose there's a certain familiarity to it being Christmas, and there's some mm-hmm. like Grundy scheme, um, <laughs> you know, Grundy world of Christmas through to you know selling some kind of bird, and there's always something that kind of goes slightly amiss. <laughs> So on that hand, I'm like, yeah, this is, this is the archers. But I just don't want any more scammery corner mm. cutting from the Grundys. I just think it's a bit lazy now. Yeah, if It was a case of um, Eddie's going to sell something for Christmas, let him sell it, let him execute on it, and go, you know what, Clary Love, we've earned quite a bit more money this year, more than <laughs> I thought. Here's a little something for you. Dun, 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 imagine dun, if dun, that
7: dun. happened, God, it would be amazing.
5: Yeah, mm. you know, just, we, just want, we just want the best for the Grundies, don't we? We're just a little bit tired of um, 20, yeah. 30 years of Christmas scams.
7: When he shouted, um, he shouted out, didn't he, Clary will have my guts for garters, and he thought, here we go. <laughs> like, he must say that every single Christmas, mustn't he? Mm. There's a lot
8: of garters was like... not much garters left.
7: Yeah. <laughs> it was quite nice hearing Oliver laughing um, and having fun in the very sort of strange situation that he would found himself in with the turkeys in the mud.
5: Uh, thank you for that, Fiona. And uh, I hope you have a wonderful Christmas up there in the Granite City. Now, it's uh, the gentleman who will be joining me on the podcasting mic next week. It's our Quentin Rayner.
3: Hello, everyone. It's Quentin Rayner here. I've got a feeling that Kenzie, Blake and Jordan actually appearing and speaking on The Archers this week has probably already been mentioned on this podcast. But these are my views for what they're <laughs> worth. On first listening, I felt the scenes were somewhat shoehorned in. On second listening during the omnibus, I found them far more absorbing. And I've wanted to hear from them because I felt it would always drive forward the narrative arc and push forward the dramatic plot. And why shouldn't we hear from them? Because this is the issue, isn't it, with modern day slavery. These poor people are faceless. They are voiceless. They are invisible. And fingers crossed, their sweet wish to buy the ghastly Philip Moss, a present for Christmas, will be his undoing and he won't be taking our beloved Krusty off to that Welsh cottage On to other things, as a former broadcaster who started his career on BBC Local Radio, I've got to say I haven't shed a tear that apparently we have heard Susan's final radio show. I mean, not even her husband, Neil, was that bothered. I mean, he he, he was more concerned with food ratios than the radio, and he missed the show, didn't he? (laughs) Having said that, I do – I will miss it because it is – her shoes were so potentially libelous, weren't they? You did think well, anything could happen here, but, um, mm-hmm. don't think I'm, I'm going to miss it that much, but we shall see. Maybe her fans will drag her back. So Tracy didn't go on the Roman holiday to the Maldives. Does that mean that she and Jazza are going to hook up? Are we going to have Trazza? I do hope so. That'll be fun. Make sure that you join myself and Rosie Porty and Royfield on the 28th of December for an edition of Dumpty Dum. Look forward to that. So it's a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year from me to you.
7: Ah, Lovely, Quentin. Hey, Peter, does that mean we have to ring in and plug when we're next on?
8: I was just going on my Google calendar to work out the date so I can get ahead and do
7: it now. On first listening, shoehorned a bit, but then second listening, he really thought it was moving and it drove the plot on. Moving on from that, the Susan thing, again, Peter and I are in totally different camps on this. Yeah, one of us is in the correct
8: camp with the correct opinion, and one of yeah. us is in
7: the wrong camp. Yeah, so I'll tell you my correct um, point of view, which is that I don't shed any tears for her stopping either. Whereas PTU actually wrongly would like it to continue. Is that, is that a fair or something?
8: What, what I do like is that uh, people have been trailing the kind of inevitable ding dong between me and Royfield discussing the slavery issue. And we seem to have got through talking about that without any kind of um, controversy. And <laughs> you know, it's all going to go off the rails now, it's going to be a massive ding dong. Yeah. If you're saying you don't like Susan's radio show, you're basically saying you don't like Susan, and that's fine. But but it's, she is no. so reliably entertaining. She is so um, sort of kind-hearted. Um, she's so dense in terms of just uh, um, entertainment and kind of like you know fun plot lines. It just and the radio show just adds to that. Peter,
7: Peter, Peter. Peter. <laughs> <laughs> Just because I don't like her on the radio show does not mean I do not like Susan. It's not as black and white as that, Peter. There are nuances <laughs> between my relationship. And <laughs> you saying and
8: that I'm being uh, too about the, uh, yeah. um, the um, Susan radio show? Okay. yeah.
7: Right. I know you have to sort of stretch the bounds of plausibility quite often with the Archers, but her being on there in the first place, that wouldn't have happened. What she was broadcasting wasn't funny enough. To be good or bad enough to be good, it oh, was just you know, annoying. annoying. <laughs> it what was really it? highbrow. I, yeah, you you can't blame me for I mean, understanding it.
8: So you're so you're saying that we could have just heard about Susan's radio show. We didn't actually need to hear the radio show to understand or empathise with <laughs> the victims of it. Oh, and very, that, you
7: know,
8: very
0: you know, good.
7: Just... Yeah, I'm glad that she has been freed from the slavery that is broadcasting.
5: She's going to end up with a podcast, isn't she? That's, I think, where they're going with this.
7: Yeah, someone did say that on Twitter. There's something afoot, isn't there? She's Mm. not giving up on it uh, when she was reading out the the fans' comments and so on. She's trying to pretend, oh, I've had my time. Oh, what was it she said about, um, oh, I've got to move the card carousel or something, relocate the card carousel, as if that's some sort of major job that must mean she has to give up the broadcasting. (laughs) I love that. yeah, I hope she doesn't do a podcast.
8: I I perhaps am the only one being dismissive of um, Quentin's point of view, but Quentin is the only person out of us who has, you know, got proper broadcasting chops. I know
5: I beg your well, pardon.
8: Has, I was just <laughs> about to say, I know you have a storied and deep experience of the podcasting world, but Quentin, you know, he's done the radio, he's done the TV, he's been I beg
5: beamed your into houses. Hmm? I've done TV. I beg your pardon, sir. What when when did this happen? Mid nineties. I produced for TV. Oh, we've all
8: done TV oh. in that
5: sense, Royfield. Field. I mean, actually
8: being like... <laughs> um, up, you know, up, up in, um, makeup being applied, um, three, two, one, and you're on. And then, you know, the cameras are all pointed at you.
7: But you I was the
5: person, the studio manager counting three, two, one, but I was the person actually directing the cameraman. I was actually, you know... But anyway... <laughs> If you, if you want to say, did I work for the BBC more than a weekend cutting together news edits and stuff, which is actually what I did, the only thing I've ever done for the BBC is paid employ. I, I don't measure up to Quentin, absolutely not. And I, I was never a TV personality, but I did do a little bit of TV. It right. was a long time ago. Uh, and yes, in the greater scheme of things, I, I doff my cap to Quentin's broadcasting nows and chops.
7: What Peter's trying to say is, is that Quentin's right?
5: <laughs> I'm <I> as <laughs> <I> astonished <laughs> that a man as
8: experienced as Quentin could be so wrong. That's uh, more way right, <laughs> of it.
5: Right. Now, here's Jonah.
10: Oh, he's birded up a right hornet's nest, as our Jonah, but here's his call first. Hello, Royfield, Kerry, and Peter, and Dumpty numbers everywhere. This is Jonah, aka Jonah Man Jazz. Uh, just got a couple of points to make this week. First one about Tracy. When she first came back into the show a couple of years ago, I was really pleased because I like her as a character. Recently, I've been a bit disappointed how they've been portraying her as sort of a very one-dimensional, stereotypical working-class comedy character. But both the story with Jazz, where she had the run-in with him, and the story with Roman, has shown that she has actually a real person who's a, got concern for her kids, like any normal parent. And I'm hoping this heralds her as being a long-term character and a long-term realistic character. Next point about the slavery storyline. I understand where people are coming from who've got absolutely no time for Gavin and just want to say, oh, he's evil, he's a slaver. Well, totally agree with that to some extent. But I am liking the way that he's being portrayed in the storyline. I think he is, in trying to make sure that the horses are okay when they're transferred. He's sort of trying to salve his own conscience. And then he sort of thinks, well, hopefully I can just forget about it. They're all right. I've done my bit. Somehow that's not going to work out, though. He's somehow going to end up having to tell the police what's happened. And he knows that he's going to get in trouble for that. And that's why he hasn't done that yet. You can criticise him for that, but I think... That's what anyone would do, almost, apart from a saint. So just interested to see how this storyline ends.
7: Mm. When he was talking about Tracy and her, you know, the being one-dimensional and then uh, be- better now because she's a really good mother and he's hoping that she's a long-term character, I suddenly thought, oh, my God, I never even considered that she might not be. How awful. <laughs> I don't want her to disappear. Um and he is a bit sympathetic towards the Gavin angle of things, um, because you know, he's not a saint, obviously. Uh and he is afraid of spilling the beans to the police, but he thinks he will do that eventually.
8: I would I mean I assumed that Tracy was here for keeps now and I was very happy about that. And um and I I mm-hmm. I did think I, I completely agree with everything Jonah said. It has been it has been good that they've stopped her from just being this kind of brassy uh, um, you know, cackling over the over the fence kind of working class character from kind of you know, you know um, early Coronation Street. Um, it's yeah. I, the, the, the reason I'm pausing is that I'm trying to think of the right way of seeing going I mean, the, it's yes. I, it's nice to hear the practicalities mentioned. Obviously, he's not going to go to the police because that means he's going to go to jail. He's not going to tell Kirsty because he knows that Kirsty is absolutely binary about this and she would not hesitate but to report. Him and um, Philip to the police. Mm. So that's that's been my frustration with a lot of the people who've been trying to sort of just say that um, you know, Gavin Gavin is evil. Therefore, we cannot support Gavin. We're watching him negotiate this in real time and negotiate all of the complexities that we've spent so much time worrying about, getting so anxious about. What he is right. Slavery is a, it, it is there is no good. There is only evil when it comes to slavery. But if you're stuck in it and you're trying to negotiate your way out, obviously there's you know there's multiple layers to that and so yes it's it's, it is nice to hear someone talk about the practicalities of it i don't think that means that you have to support gavin
7: so royfield what's the hornet's nest of jonah man jazz
5: last week i speculated with Philippa where the heck does that name come from and i said i think i went for it's johnny hates jazz so um, this whole thing about, do you remember Johnny Hates Jazz? He's obviously, that's where he's got his name from, Jonah Man Jazz, blah, 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 blah. How wrong was I? So wrong that not only did I put uh, 19, the 1986 hit of Johnny Hates Jazz on the end of the show, and on Twitter, on the Flick app, and my God, on Facebook, of people told me how wrong I was. Royfield, do you not remember Jonah Man Jazz? Did you not sing it? as a kid at school. And at first I said absolutely not. Right, what is this thing? And everybody was remembering it, uh singing it. And Nineveh as a city of evil. There there are 50 odd comments of uh people remembering fondly having to sing this at school. After about the 48th message, I went bloody hell I do remember it. We sang it as well. And then what was utterly lovely Putting all the reminiscence to one side was uh, what is really key to dum dum It's just kind of com- community. And Jonah um, says, oh, this is really lovely because it's only taken me four years to summit the courage to ring into dum dum I listen every week and this is how I've been embraced. So, So thank you. So it was just a really lovely little trip down memory lane, which many people had whilst correcting me, which normally is Peter's job. try and correct and school me but all the other dumby-dums did It says look you idiot it's not johnny hates jazz it's jonah man jazz and this is where it comes from and this little um nickname which jonah gave himself made him feel even more included into the whole wider dumby-dum community so um that's the hornet's nest hardly um, a terrible (laughs) one which was stirred up by by jonah but really just one of reminding everybody of their school days in the uk
8: cool I will admit, uh, keeping you on the straight and narrow does feel like a job, Royfield. You are right.
5: You know what? <laughs> Peter, I think it's your vocation, sir. It's more than just Thank a you. job. <laughs> <laughs> so from Jonah Manchas, uh, we go to Claire from Clapham.
11: Hello, Dumpty dum and dum dummers everywhere. It's Claire from Clapham here in the delights of Tier 4, where everything is cancelled. Although, on the bright side, it did save me from the big argument with my mum about whether it was safe to have eight people for Christmas lunch, which I was increasingly feeling was not, and she was increasingly feeling was. So uh, we got out of that argument because, um, basically, we all got locked down. I just wanted to have a quick note to say, happy Christmas to everyone all around the world in dub Dumland. dum land Thank you to everyone who's kept us cheerful all year and um, enjoying the archers in good times and bad monologues and rollicking storylines just very, very quickly because it won't make, don't want to make him too smug. So I sort of agree with Royfield about whether we don't need to hear from Blake, Kenzie and Jordan to know that they are being badly treated and to have compassion for them. I thought it was all so rushed. It was like, I don't know. It was just too, it was too much. It felt really constructed and artificial and I just didn't feel it was very authentic and we didn't need to hear it to know that it was a really rubbishy thing to be doing to people. I do really fear for them. I hope that the downfall comes very quickly. It would be nice if it was someone who noticed, like someone said on Twitter this week, but I'm thinking the police are following Victoria. Something will unravel about the present or Kirsty will suspect something. But there you go. Who knows? I don't really care as long as it's over. Okay.
7: Happy Christmas, everyone. Speak to you soon. Happy Christmas, Claire. Uh, yeah, tier four has its merits then if you don't have to deal with a Christmas lunch for eight people. <laughs> um, there's quite a few people saying that sort of thing. It's kind of decided things for them. I know that's not the whole story, but, you know. Yeah. Um,
8: I did, it did get me out of cooking a second meal and I, was, I, didn't, I wasn't pleased, but it was a silver lining.
7: Um, she does agree with you, Royfield, that we don't need to hear from the um, slaves to feel compassion. But for me, that's not the point. It's not about needing to hear from them to feel compassion. But we've been over yeah. that already, yeah. And, uh,
8: uh, a, a, lot, and then a lot of what she was saying was about um, about also the way it was delivered to us. And I think that's something that we didn't really. I mean, I think that's where a lot of the nuance between the kind of the to more extreme points of view lie. Right? Like if yeah. they, they could have, they could have made all of us happy if they dealt with it in a subtly different way. If they'd sort of, if they'd been longer term characters, I think maybe Royfield would have been happier and I would have been happier.
7: She did, but I liked Claire's um, speculation about how it's all gonna fall apart wondering whether the police are following victoria that could be something or if the gift will lead kirsty to sort of work stuff out you know where they were talking about um watching joy putting putting multiple pizza boxes out every tuesday i thought why has joy got multiple pizzas every tuesday i became a bit fixated on this and then i was thinking I really went to the realms of of weirdness imagining that there's loads of police staking out her um, house and that every Tuesday (laughs) they have pizzas because they're watching what's happening and they're going to pounce.
8: They've they've spent time in uh, having Joy as someone who could just pop round any minute, like you know Kirsty and Philip pop round when they need something. And that you know after they was it a rainstorm that meant that Kirsty and Philip went and hid at Joy's house for the for the for the day because they were locked out. Anyway, the point is is that uh, it's entirely plausible that Joy will be the one who walks in and just points to something obvious that Kirsty that everyone hasn't seen. It's just like oh look that doesn't make sense and it kind of is a kind of mm. Columbo-style reveal, where it's just like, and she, her, her sort of, her obviousness and her sort of comparative innocence, her specific innocence, will sort of shine a shine a light on it, and Kirsty will suddenly have the, the, the wool, you know, pulled away from her eyes.
7: Yeah. I'd love it, it if, Joy, if it Joy... Exactly, yeah.
8: Yeah, Joy would be the perfect kind of blunt and sort of foolish accidental instrument to take down. She'd be the perfect one to take him down. Then down, sorry, Royfield.
5: Surely the this perfect one to take him down would be Harrison Burns. It's his job. Oh it'd
8: be too be too nice about it. Oh sorry about this, Philip. Mind your head getting in the car. Come on, yeah. oh yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh didn't have your pegs as oh. a slaver. Oh crack, yeah.
7: That's a lovely Christmas jumper you've got oh, on okay, there. Sorry, so oh,
8: you're a slaver, but that Santa's cracking. <laughs> <laughs>
10: Oh,
5: Pete Ficklin, you you can make me titter at times. All right, so uh, (laughs) that was Claire from Clapham and my podcasting wife. And now we're moving over to uh, Cheryl and she's going to tell us about some stuff.
6: Hi, Kerry and Peter. It's Cheryl calling. Not going to bother saying hello to Royfield this week because he'll have stopped listening by now. Probably looking up something exciting going on in Southampton or various facts about (laughs) it. So you'll have to tell him on my behalf how wrong he is about not wanting to hear the slaves' voices in the episodes this week. I know he thinks that it hasn't added anything and that that Philip on his own stitches himself up. However, when I think about things such as that wonderful drama Three Girls with Maxine Peake or the documentary this year about Jeffrey Epstein and the stories of the girls involved in that it's the voices of the victims that absolutely bring home how terrible the situations are and in this case with the archers hearing those boys not realizing that they are victims of a horrendous man who has taken them off the streets and and taken advantage of them it just was, was so heartbreaking and there's nothing that philip could have done that would have shown us that side of the story. So Royfield, you're just wrong. On the upside, really, really glad that Tracy's not going. I mean, who the hell would want to live in a small flat in the the Maldives?
7: Cheryl, I love you. Um, Royfield, yeah, he he won't have been listening. You're you're perfectly correct there. Um, You are listening, Royfield. Uh,
5: Well, well, if I missed anything... (laughs) I was just on Wikipedia looking up facts about Southampton.
8: Yeah, okay, yeah <laughs> performatively making his computer ping, there, Kerry. I swear to God, this is true. I haven't heard myself laugh out loud in years. Genuine, I never laugh oh. out loud. That's that. I felt this rush of endorphins laughing out loud just then. It's absolutely Royfield being oh. Roy called out for his on-air research. And last week Royfield you had Philip you were using Philip like a sort of a secretary. I say Philip oh, Philip can you just uh, look up uh, what was it? It's uh, yes, just to type this into Google for me there Philip. That, that's a good lad. Thank you. Yes. Peter, oh, Peter.
5: Yeah? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah.
5: I'm not from Wolverhampton. I'm from oh, well, you know, you're going to try and do a, a mock comedy. Me, at least get the accent right. You know, you've I'll got me twenty miles wrong. With
7: I that. like it wrong. It's yes. <laughs> <funnier>. But, <laughs> but <laughs> as, as long as you appreciate that
5: it's wrong, well, then I, I can move it's, on. Okay. Cool. Back,
8: back to the substance of the accusation. I mean, do, you know, like, you know, yeah, you were using Philippa like a secretary. Like sometimes,
5: hardly. Some, if you remember back to that episode, Peter, I was the one whilst we were recording, that went onto Wikipedia and said, oh, you are right. I didn't use her like a secretary. However, you, you definitely been...
7: got her to do your little bits of admin, no, admin during the no, programme. No, no, no. no. Oh,
5: wait you a minute. Specifically with this charge, I been mean, the charge was specifically to do with, anyway, whatever. Go on.
7: It's okay. It's okay. But Cheryl, I... Thought the victims' voices. She was quoting the three girls' uh, piece, the Epstein girls. The voices of the victims, bringing things home. You well, can say that you can say that you don't need them because no, you know no, it's no, 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 no.
5: I kind of conceded this that there is a couple of strands to this which jar with me, and one of them is highly emotional because this isn't. Uh, an issue which, for me, is at all academic. So I appreciate that my reaction to it is going to be different from many other people's. There is a stylistic decision that the store that the scriptwriters actually took. Now I would say. And I'm not um, saying, saying there is one level of evil which is greater than the other. But the Epstein thing wasn't slavery. It was uh, sexual exploitation of, of minors. I'm not saying that you should never hear the victims' voices. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying that specifically in this case, considering that we, this is a drama, I take yeah. the point, however, that and Peter made it well before Mm. that there is understanding how people can find themselves in this plight and and having it laid out for you and how they feel whilst they are in that plight and whether they realize they are i appreciate that but i would say that there are two or three various paths that cross over with this storyline and actually uh philip moss is just bad Gavin Moss is just bad, but I appreciate the writing in that we are, and I have no moral equivocation uh, uh, about the whole thing. But I'm repeating myself, and and for me this is such a personal issue that I just have to be honest about that, right? Yeah, and and I also appreciate that people will say that did you not want to hear the voices of the slaves when slavery was a when slavery hmm. was a, 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 an instituted thing in the 15th, 16th, yeah. 17th, 19th century. That's completely really utterly different because hearing, um, reading Uncle Tom's Cabin or the recollections of people who were slaves or Frederick Douglass was to tell people that slaves were human beings because many people didn't believe that they were, that black Africans who were held in chattel bondage were not the same as you, a white English person or a white Frenchman, etc., We know that is not the case anymore. So we don't have to prove that case. For me, it's like, right, we know that slavery is wrong. It is just a given. The whole narrative structure should be focused on the slaver as to how the hell in 2020 can you be doing this to, to other human beings when you know it is wrong.
8: You know I think that's- it's wrong.
5: I think but that's anyway, the
8: subject that we have discussed. Royfield is that. Yeah, but
5: anyway, um, we we are.
8: Um, if you if you're a if you're a woman dressed in finery and sitting on in on velvet uh, furniture in with flopped wallpaper in a proud townhouse in Bristol, and you know you have uh, to just in like the, the 1980s. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. A <yeah. laughs> <Of> course, <laughs> joke. Um, <laughs> um, you have to just. You have to just. Uh, Royfield said so back in the 1980s. You have to justify okay. to yourself why, you know, that your husband is typically your husband is off, you know, dealing with subhuman people, it's people who, you know, you don't need to you don't need to worry about their suffering. They've been taken from a worse place and taken to a better place. They've been given gainful employment, and I think, and obviously, it is offensive, is deeply offensive when you read about some of this, particularly in Jamaica, where your ancestors from Royfield, If you read about what went on there, it is type like Derby's dose into into Google if you want to really turn your stomach if you you know it's deeply offensive to make a comparison between what Jordan and Kenzie are going through and what some of the people went through on the on the long passage and in their life in Jamaica or various other places but there is it's a it's about the justification that people give themselves in order to be participating in slavery or to be a slaver or to
5: turn a blind eye or to the whole focus should be on
8: yeah absolutely but in order but but part of part of is, is that, for instance, the Stockholm Syndrome, mm-hmm. the inculcation, the convincing of these men, that, which obviously went on in the Americas as well, conv- the convincing of these men that they're in an internship. And that was one of the more useful back and forths that they had. Where, And sorry, yeah. I'm mean, get the names wrong. I want to say it was uh, Jordan who was questioning the other two when they were saying, oh, we're going to get paid more, we're going to have better conditions, mm-hmm. we're going to have more agency with, the ne- with our next boss you know, Mossy's, that with got our internship with Mossy. It's educating the woman sitting in her chair in Bristol to say, no, people died for those, for, for, for your fine clothes. Uh, this is not nuanced. This is not subtle. But, you know, because she's been, she has been and we have been fed a crock of lies about how these people find themselves in the positions they are in.
5: Uh, There's Peter uh, speaking quite powerfully. And um, we're going to end the show with Brian.
8: Hi everyone, it's Brian. There's been some very good episodes the last few weeks, and this week was another good episode this week as well, particularly one where we actually got to hear from Blake, Kenzie and Jordan. The scenes where Philip was talking about them as if they were livestock,
3: made me feel very queasy though, very uncomfortable. And talking of them, Gavin isn't any better, as far as I'm concerned, keeps indicating he's
8: not happy what's going on, but then he doesn't do anything about it. Kirsty's now married to Philip. That was one opportunity and there's been others now getting passed on. We'll see what happens.
3: Main reason I phoned up, just to wish you and all the Dumpty Dummers as
8: merry a Christmas as your current tier allows. And I hope all the best for 2021. I hope this is a better year than this one's been. Yeah, Keep safe, everybody, and have a merry Christmas.
7: Ah, Brian Holding. Marvellous Brian. Yes. uh, Slightly different tack there. We won't go over what we've already gone over, but Gavin should have done something by now. I totally agree with that. I mean, at that point where Kirsty was about to get married, he could have just gone, no, can't. this can't happen. I know we've said why he hasn't done that, but I just thought, come on. At what point will he? What's it going to take?
8: I don't know about you, but I'm running out of patience now. I, the, the weird thing about The Archers is is you're running two clocks. You're running the clock of the, the narrative within the show, and there's also your kind of like, you know, the, sorry, the hourglass, which is your patience for each of these plot lines. And I do understand that they have to run it in some kind of credible um, time frame. Yeah. I am sick to death of it. I, I've learned my lessons. Yeah. I've taken my medicine. I know slavery's bad. I've heard, you know, we had to, we've had to watch Kirstie get married to the effer. Um, <laughs> I'm done with it.
7: To Brian's point about you know bless him you know wishing us all a uh, happy Christmas and hopefully a, um, a better year in 2021, I really enjoy hearing Philip saying, "I've got a feeling next year is going to be the best yet." I thought, "Yeah, you little shit! <laughs> You're going to be in prison." Hopefully, it's it's all going to come to an end soon, Peter. You know, hopefully, you've got some grains of sand left in your hourglass. Do you think Philip? this is one
8: of the things that I, I um i found a bit implausible it's i don't if i did some there was a story about um modern day slavers the other day and it was this uh, romanian family who had been um, basically doing exactly what philip moss is doing and um and then you you saw pictures of the father and son the philip and the gavin um and i, I, I say romanian i'm pretty sure they're romanian apologies if i got that wrong but um that um And they they just looked. They just looked like they were from central casting. One of the things is, I just I feel like that you haven't really got a sense of why Philip and Gavin need to be slavers. Kerry and I were talking the other day about just. It sounds like a lot of hassle. They've got to buy this house. They've got it. So the amount of profit they're making just doesn't seem plausible.
5: Without relitigating what we've said. At least twice, if not three times already in this episode, you're making my point for me. The much more interesting narrative in all of this is how the hell can you enslave people in 2020?
8: Yeah, that's the, the This is the practical side of it. You know, like, I mean, just saying that's so mind blowingly awful, but you know, it, it that we've seen some, we okay, we know they've got a f- that. They've had to pay for that flat because they said about selling it for Gavin. So they've had to find the cash to pay for the flat. Also, we know roughly, we all know roughly what someone earns on, a, on site per day. So that's, you've only got a certain amount of money to save. You also have to pay for their upkeep. Um, a Nintendo 64 every couple of weeks. Now, it just doesn't seem like there's enough money in it. So there's something fundamentally broken. I mean, obviously, it's more there's a psychological side to this. Like the You know, he gets off on controlling people. There'll be some kind of personality. Yeah. Well, there's psychological,
5: bed, yeah. and then and there is moral, and and then the the fact that this does go on so much so that there are people who act as middle middlemen, Victoria being one, shows you that there is money to be made made in it. And Philip Moss has told us so that there is, and it's the reason why he can always undercut e- everybody else. So there is money to to be made in it, good money. Hence, there's an industry, and then also. You need the capital to get it all set up.
8: You need somewhere for them to live. You need to buy them in the first place, or have the time to go and coerce them. There is an uptick to get into business as a slaver. Uh, you know, anyway, it, 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 there's a bit, there's a bit of, there's some, there's some cracks and some, some sort of creaking going on around the kind of plausibility of it, or, plausibility of it all, the way that's been presented to us.
7: They only cost twenty quid.
8: Yeah, that was weird as well. I, I'm sort of morbidly fascinated by it, but also at the same time, it's sort of, do I really want to pick at that scab? And-
5: yeah. Well, you, you've done a good job picking, and I, I would say that you can kind of make one of my key key arguments for me here. But uh, moving swiftly on, uh, folks, because we've done a lot of talk about. Uh, I almost said the rights and wrongs of uh, modern slavery. Uh, there, are no, there are no rights uh, on a serious, on a semi-serious point. There is something about trying to wrap up a conversation, a conversation which is actually thoughtful and and is about the nuance comes in as to whether um, the story is enhanced by the telling of the victim stories in this case. Over their silence, and that silence being much more powerful, and then trying to wrap that seg- segment up and then move on to another, and you don't have to do it an injustice by just saying, "Okay, um, now we need to move on," which is what, which is the mode that my brain went into. But on that note, folks, um, I have to say to Auntie Kerry Warburton, do we have any emails, preferably with an H?
7: I've just been eating a hot dog. Sorry, um, Mimi brought me a hot dog. Bloody lovely. Uh, Okay, so we have two emails. Um, The first one is from B12 Simon, who is on the Twitters as well. I recognise that name. And B12 Simon says, hi, Royfield and gang. Um, I didn't think it worth a caller in a ring, but here I am weighing in on speed limits. (laughs) Yes, the national speed limit for a dual carriageway is 70 miles an hour, but not all of them. I didn't raise an eyebrow at Kirsty's driving at 40 miles an hour, as so many are limited to 40, especially in urban or suburban areas. As we're overthinking this, I presume Kirsty and Helen were on an urban dual carriageway into wherever the register office is. Royfield is right. Oh dear. Thanks for the show and big love to you all. B12 Simon. So. You were right about something, Royfield. And B12
5: Simon is from the wonderful city of Birmingham, uh, as his postcode yeah. notes. And he doesn't at all sound, I'm sure, like... Peter's mock supposed <laughs> Brummie, which is completely and utterly wrong. No, it, was, it was a very
8: specific impersonation of you. It was not dear <laughs> people of Birmingham.
5: Really? Mm,
8: OK. Uh,
7: second email. Second email is from Elizabeth Purnell. And Elizabeth says, hello, Royfield, Kerry, Peter and Dumpty Dummers. A couple of things. First, a big thank you for the Zoom party last night and the other Zoom meetings and the podcasts and the film club. They've been fantastic during lockdown. It's great to see different faces and chat to new people. I'm loving the rotating co-presenters. My thoughts about spoilers. Oh, dear. I, I did a bit of a spoiler, didn't I, on the Zoom, which was, yeah. Anyway, I think that might be what she's referring to. I listened to the Omnibus and the podcast when out walking. I'm often a week or two behind. My feeling is that when a big story breaks, such as Kirsty's wedding, you only hear it for the first time once. To me, that doesn't matter if it's during the episode or on Twitter or on Facebook. I don't mind listening to the episode knowing a big reveal is coming. If I want to listen live, I make a big effort to catch up. Oh, good. <laughs> Wishing you all the best for a happy and healthy Christmas and New Year. Beth, P in Warrington. Aha, so I was a bit worried there that I was going to get told off for doing the spoiler thing. But her point, I think, is that if you're that bothered about spoilers, don't go to places where you might find spoilers. Well, is even Royfield's right?
8: been listening um, uh, live the last few weeks, haven't you, Royfield? Because I noticed you've been a bit more um, current on Twitter about it. That's not me having a dig, by the way, for once. I'm just saying, you, you know, typically you've been a, 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 you know, listen again type of person, haven't you?
5: I think I only listened live once.
8: Oh, really? Okay, I I, yeah. I, I I did that. Um, I did that thing where I I took a tiny piece of information and built a whole kind of universe out of it.
5: Mm. No, it, it's on too early in, in the day here, and and I'm working. Uh, so it's what five? Uh, uh, it's like two o'clock in, in the afternoon when when it comes on. So so no. Uh, but I did listen live once, admittedly. I just,
8: I think, yeah, I mean, I, I completely agree. I think if you want, if you're that, if you're that obsessed with being up to date with it, just, just you know, just listen in the evenings after the, you know, or listen again. You, you can't expect everyone to just, you know, talk in code on Twitter all week, waiting for the omnibus. Yeah.
7: I did make a faux pas, though, by talking about, um, on the Zoom on Friday, I did, I mentioned that Tracy was staying and not going to the Maldives, didn't I? And so- I think someone, someone left the Zoom because they didn't, appreciate the fact mm. that I feel something and I'm so sorry about that. I honestly didn't well talk about what I was doing.
5: I think you're beating yourself up too much. And you know, my, my thoughts on this are uh, well well documented. Um I think if it's out there, it's out there. Right. Mm. And you, you should just insulate yourself. If you if you've chosen or there's been some reason why you can't listen. You can't stop the rest of humanity talking about something which is already out there. Yeah. yeah um mm-hmm. it's uh, as as a case in point i'm not a big star wars fan at all so the end of the mandalorian season 2 which is something which i haven't watched because i'm not really into star wars but um you switched on twitter you switched on youtube with all these people commenting about pop culture things everybody was like oh my god luke skywalker turned up in the last episode
0: mm-hmm.
5: right I'm not even into the Mandalorian and, and Star Wars, and I know Luke Skywalker turned up in, mm. in, in the last episode. It's a case of these things are out there.
7: Yeah. They're out there. Yeah. I think I got overexcited because Susie Rids was right in front of me, and I was like I was so pleased that Tracy was staying because she is her. So, yeah, I got carried away.
8: <laughs> if you want to avoid information about the Archers, a um, an Archer-specific Zoom call is probably not the place to go.
5: Uh, mm. exactly uh, and just as a, a little aside there's two members of the archers family who have gone from just being people who um i've asked to come on a zoom and have turned into mates one of them is graham seed nigel and the other one is susie reed who plays tracy so there's a reason why when ben norris um said on wednesday that he couldn't do the show that um for a second I thought, oh, we'll just cancel it. And I thought, you know what? No. And I texted Nigel that's Freudian, Graham. And I said, Mate, can you do this? Well, yeah, of course. Right, and also Susie. And Susie is, is a proper pal, and so much so that when her husband, I think I mentioned this before, but when her husband came out to do two work, two weeks worth of work last year in San Francisco, that she said to me, Well, I'll will I look after him and take him out.
0: So oh. she, she,
5: she's a proper little pal. Oh, so you missed out
8: big time. time.
5: I could have given him a proper tour of the well, East I know. You, you'd have given him a proper, decent tour of all the watering holes, but you'd already left. The Bay Area yeah. Peter. So you have oh, to do you. with me. However, the whole point of this is mm. when she said that she was going, she says, okay, Roma, I'm going to go with you to the Maldives. Da, 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 da. I texted, what the holy fuck? <laughs> I went, you ain't going anywhere. And she just texted back immediately, went dot, dot, dot. Right. Ah. Went, Your silence is speaking volumes Excellent. here. Right, and then she started deflecting and talking about all other things. Yeah. So then, twenty four hours later, I went. Oh, I kind of knew, and she went, "Oh well, of course, I couldn't say blah blah blah." So, um, so she, she, she's a good sort. Is our, is our Susie reads? She's such and, um, a
7: diamond, isn't she? Yeah. I mean, she's just joy- joyful, and her husband uh, featured, didn't she? Didn't he? Sorry, in the zoom yeah. in the background, he was knitting in yes. their amazing kitchen that I have huge kitchen envy over. <laughs> uh, so it's nice to see him in the background.
5: Yeah. I tell you, they're two peas in a pod. He is a bundle of energy as well. I don't know how they contain themselves. She's just all, you know, rip roaring and ready to go 24 seven. And so is he, trust me. Uh, utterly a, a lovely gentleman and we had a great evenings uh hanging out in san francisco All right so uh, there you go folks um that is basically the meat and potatoes of the show
2: when you're ready to pop the question the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring at blue you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online
4: Whether you're a brand, large or small business or an individual. You need customers or clients, and the chances are some of your potential customers are probably listening to this podcast right now. From history,
5: when Napoleon laid Boulogne for a year. Politics. If that person is poor, it's a bad neighborhood. Then you have the disproportionate police brutality, which is meted out instantly at people of colour.
0: Culture.
4: Had they written it that Chris called an ambulance for Alice straight away, we wouldn't have learnt about the severity of alcohol withdrawal either. Well done to the writers. Thank you for making a wonderful podcast, but I'd give Rotherham a miss. (laughs) (laughs) Bye!
7: The Rotherham Tourist Board. Geekdom.
10: The flag is a graphic symbol, not a verbal symbol. why don't we just write France on the flag? I mean, we laugh when you think of putting a country's name on a flag.
4: Society or music.
5: Young people began to turn away from their parents' ethics and their style of dress and they began to dance to a new type of music.
4: Royfield Brown's podcasts are downloaded just under 100,000 times a month. So putting your message here could well be a wise investment. If you have something to hawk. Sell or promote, why not email royfield at gmail.com and hear your product or service promoted to up to 100,000 articulate listeners today?
5: Pete ficklin Hello. I'm going to be brutally honest with you, Pete. When Philippa does Tweet of the Week, right, it's not you doing it. That's all I'm going to say. You know, you bring a certain something to it, Peter, right? And like, a, like
8: a dung beetle does to uh, um, a pile of poo, yes. Yeah. I... <laughs>
5: <laughs> and by the way, a dung beetle takes away from a pile of poo. That metaphor uh, almost
8: specific, specific to Tweet of the Week, not to sort of Dumpty Dum. And...
5: Peter, starting in, in the bronze position, go. Pete Bicklin, are you ready? I am. All right. Okay, All right. so
8: you said you said and go. Yeah. Right, okay, here we are. So, um, Archers Addicts at Archers Addicts is um, making what I think is an interesting, but perhaps not funny enough comments. So, I'm already, you two, I'm already starting to be defensive about the inevitable slating I'm going to get. But no, I'm just going to go for it. <laughs> at Archers Addicts says, they're back again. I'm hearing voices. Is it waiting for Godot? And the next one. So, in silver <laughs> position. <laughs>
7: Peter the the funniest bit about this is not the tweet it's just, it's just the sort of well that gaping silence really
8: <laughs> I, think, I think the reason that Philip I think Philippa has learned not to invest emotionally in this so that she so she just sails through it with it with, a, with a sort of style and a plum. I I make the fit I just come back for more again and again and again hoping that I'll get approval okay so here but we Peter,
7: are I, I, still I sent you that tweet I can remember sending you that tweet because yes. anyway it doesn't matter
8: but yes, not because it was funny. So normally, what happens? Oh, okay. I, I, I sort of, I, I read it. Oh, well, if Kerry says it's funny, it must be funny. So.
7: <laughs> no, no, no. It was, string, it, it was in a string of ones where people were going, "What the hell is this? This isn't the Archers." Do you remember? Oh,
8: no. okay. Yes. No, I do. I do. I do remember that. I thought. This, I thought that one had been selected because um, you were feeling sort of literary, but um, you know, you got a book club and stuff. Anyway, so here we are. Oh, look, I'm playing it safe now. I'm going for um, Dumpty Dum royalty. We have Mr. Brian Holding at Buggy Swires.
7: Brilliant. Yes. Okay.
8: Thank yep. you. Yeah. So here we are. So the Grundies are living in Oliver's house. He's plucking their turkeys, and now Eddie's manipulated him into conspiring to misrepresent the Grundys' product. Perhaps Philip isn't the only one using people.
7: Ha-ha-ha. I like that one. Very good. Well Rachel, done, Brian. Chuckle.
5: Thank you. That sounded really insincere, Brian. I really yes, it did. did. But you know, when somebody says to you, chuckle, right? I, I'm not. I'm not an actor, so I can't convincingly chuckle on un- demand. Un- oh, un- if only there was some some I don't know, format or kind of structure that you could buy in to know
8: at the right time to laugh in this. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it'll come to you. <laughs> yeah. And now in goal position. The moment everyone's been waiting for, the swell <laughs> of the music. Right, here we are Andrew Davidson at Andy Make the Tea. All that fuss about Graham Norton leaving Radio 2 yesterday, but not so much as a BBC press release or a Red Arrows fly pass for Susan's last show.
7: <laughs> That's good. That was good. The visu- yeah. visual image of the Red Arrows flypass because Susan's left Radio Borsetshire is beautiful. <laughs> <laughs>
8: And as you know, I read that completely sincerely and didn't view it as a joke. I really was outraged yeah. at the BBC. Not <laughs> even fictionally or <laughs> <laughs> otherwise make more note of it. But yes.
5: Dumdedum.com go there. It has got tractor. Now uh, by the time you listen to this today, there will be a link and you'll be able to look at a map of the world and see exactly where every Dum dum lives. And uh, it's with much excitement. That I can announce to you that we even have a listener in Baku, the capital of that petro-corrupt state Azerbaijan. That's how far and wide the de Dum uh, writ goes, folks. So if you're if you're hanging out in downtown Baku, why don't you uh, sign up uh, to Dumdi Dum? Uh, it'll automatically pin yourself to the map, and then uh, you can then message through the app through the website uh, the other person who's in Baku, maybe. I don't know what the lockdown situation is there in Baku. I don't know if, you're in a, if you've are in if got a red, amber, green situation, as we do here in southern Ontario, if you've got tiers one, two, three, and four, as you do in, in the UK, or whether you're even just COVID-free. I don't know how it works down there. But let's say uh, you've had your inoculation and there are no COVIDs, whatever, right? You can then meet up and have maybe one of those sweet teas that people in Azerbaijan seem to quite like together, talk about the archers and dum-de-dum, Talk about Pete Ficklin, how you quite like his acerbic ways, or how you quite like Auntie Kerry Warburton. You can do that all through dumdidum.com. Now, serious point, folks. Um, I've had not one, not two, but three alerts from the manufacturers of stuff uh, on the shop of dumdidum.com this morning saying the stuff is manufactured in insert name of European country. We are not going to be delivering anytime soon to the UK. So, It could well mean that if you're trying to get that little special uh, present for your loved one just before Christmas, it might not come because the country is up the swanee in terms of this mutant strain of COVID. I'm presuming, I don't know this for a fact, that the manufacturers and the distributors of the stuff will have sent you an email telling you of the situation. It's not that you're not going to get the stuff, but... Everybody has basically ceased sending stuff to the UK at the moment. So hopefully it's not going to knack your Christmas too much. Dumdrum.com um, is in part uh, an endeavor of people who love the archers and uh, we get on mic and we chat about it uh, week in, week out. But without the lovely people who are Patreons, there fundamentally would be no show. Now, with a spoon, had a great idea and he said to me last week, Royfield, why don't you have a page where all the Patreons and all the people who uh, submit via PayPal are are listed actually on the website, so are actually going to do that, but each week if you are a Patreon you are going to not only be the sponsor of the website, but also of the show, so you'll get your name up in lights, Uh, but if you'd like to join them and be uh, a supporter of the show and uh, get your name up in lights, go on to patreon.com For the very small sum of uh, $2 per show, uh, you can become a Patreon. And I especially will thank on the next show um, all the new patrons that we've had in the last few months because it's a real testament to how Peter, Kerry, Quentin, Rosie and Philippa have been taken into the collective bosom of dumpty dummers that we have people still wanting to support the show with the new roster of presenters. So patreon.com two dollars per show if you do that you is awesome.
7: Remember to get in contact you can send us a voice message via speakpipe on the website or call 0203 031 3105 to leave a message.
5: And remember folks um not that you'll really need any prompting from me but Twitter 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 is awesome. Tweet tweet tweet. Peter how can people catch up with you on Twitter at Pete Fittling. Uh Auntie Kerry Warburton.
7: I am not Auntie Kerry Warburton on Twitter. I'm at Kerry Warbis, which is K E R I W A R B I S.
5: If ever there's a point of the show when I should not call you Auntie Kerry Warburton, <laughs> is <where we're laughs>
7: this point? I, I really should stop myself
5: from doing that. It's, it's such a natural reaction. And of course, you can follow us on uh, Twitter, where we are at Dumpy Dumb. Now, there is potentially a job opening if you. Quite fancy yourself at tweeting. Why don't you uh, help us out by tweeting as dumdy dum? It's just a great way of just kind of helping out the show. Because the thing is, and uh, I know seasoned dumdy Dumbers know this, but if you look at my Twitter timeline, you'll see misspelled tweets, uh, words missed out, grammatically incorrect. I, I am um, actually a- a dyslexic. So I Try not to really go on to dumptydum.com. And since Yokel Bear had to leave us, it's really been a, a bit like tumbleweed over there. We still have people uh, following it uh, week in, week out, but we don't really put anything out. So here's a message for you, dear listener. If you fancy yourself as somebody who knows how to tweet a little, why don't you give us a little bit of your time and uh, by by helping us out? There you go. So quite simply, if you want to do that, if you're interested, email me where I'm royfield at gmail.com. And, um, you know, we can get you all set up. Uh, Facebook. Now, normally people wince when I have my two minute diatribe about Facebook. All I'm going to say is the US justice system. Obviously, listen to dum dum Uh, However, uh, Facebook isn't all bad. Um, It is a utility which has lots of use. And one of the uses is connecting with people who like the stuff that you like, i.e. the archers. So, if you're a fan of Dum de Dum and uh you've got a you know, you're on Facebook, and a lot of you are why don't you type in on facebook dum de Dum and join the merry band and I tell you what folks with the spoons snaps so Saturday non archers posts are ridiculously uh popular. And um, he sets uh, the topic and people just go for it. Talking about setting the topic and people going for it, the Flick app and more people are using it. And that is fantastic. Quite simply, gone to Apple IE, iTunes Store or Google Play. You type in Flick app. Um, it's going to tell you about sports. Don't worry about that. Oh, bloody hell, the Cleveland Browns did not do well yesterday. We smashed the Giants. Good and proper. Uh, the Flick app. Go there. And really, what we try not to do is really talk too much, really, about uh, either Dum dumb the podcast, or The Archers, the show. But it's just somewhere where people... Um indulge their passion. So whether it is where they are around the world at any one point or Christmas prep and record and, and restriction headaches or play out music on dumb jump, which is go on to that. It's lots of fun. And also if you're into film, it's a great way of connecting with the dates of the next film club and, uh, and what films people will be watching. Right. Pete Ficklin. It's, it's uh, this it's a season uh, of goodwill to all men. I really enjoyed this episode. Um, and I was going to say this off mic to you and Kerry. I do love, love it when, um, not only when we come together to talk about The Archers, but where there is something of philosophical heft which we can chew the fat over, and it's definitely been this episode. Uh, So thank you for joining the very merry band of dum dummers this year and becoming um, not only a guiding light, but somewhat of a star this year, Pete. So thank you for that. Uh, Auntie Kerry Warburton, I have said this to you before, but I'm going to say this again. I've been a big fan of yours for years. You are so bloody good on, on Twitter. I was itching uh, for years to get you to be on Mike and to be part of the team. And uh, boy, oh boy, have you made yourself comfortable and indispensable yeah. part oh. of the whole dum firmament in a matter of no time at all. So much so that you now get fan mail. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, um, uh, auntie kerry um so glad my instincts were proven right and i knew that you'd be awesome on the mic so there is me saying to the pair of you i hope you have a wonderful christmas and um let's hope that we all have a wonderful uh new year but um i don't want to just uh sign off for you so pete do you sign off sir
8: as quickly as i can i mean Joining Dumpty Dam has been uh, very different to what I expected, and, and, and mainly in that there's a, a lot of friends being made. Very specifically, Kerry, um, the lovely Rosie, Pauline, Quentin, and of course Philip as well. And it's, no, it's been an absolute treat. And um, Roy Ford, you of course have made that all possible. And I'm very, very grateful. Despite all of the uh, kickings I give you. Oh, and to your point, you could have got a lot worse today, by the way. So uh, be grateful. <laughs> how
5: nice i was it seems in a goodwill to all men apart from royfield apart from royfield auntie kerry
7: oh gosh this is like a love in i i'm enjoying this very much not just your what you said about me but it's true what peter just said um he and i have built a lovely relationship we chat and we message and he's so funny bloody love him i can see why you brought him to the to the podcast royfield definitely complete huge asset also quentin my old mucker he's part of it too rosie porty love messaging her bless her she's having a bit of a time of it with her house move and stuff but it's nice to keep in touch with her philippa i thought she was brilliant on the zoom um i like to get to know philippa more. Thank you so much Royfield, for grasping that nettle <laughs> and um, inviting me along to join in because I bloody love it thank you. Um, I'd like to say Merry Christmas to everybody and may 2021 bring us all closer together
5: and uh, just a final couple of notes from me uh, there will be more Dums. I said, there's going to be one on Christmas Day and then next week we have Quentin and Rosie and um, if I can get round to it, looking at the, an, another little special uh, medley of dum-de-dums, some of the best ones that we've had in the last, last couple of years, which will go out um, as a thing as well. I don't know why I never remember to say this, and I really should say so at the top of the show. and I'm going to have to uh, rewrite the intro uh, script, but we do have a presence on YouTube If you've missed the Friday Zooms, you can go onto YouTube, type in either dum dum or Roy Field, and uh, you will find them there. And some of them are just like great fun. Well, they're all great fun, but some of them are just like really, really special. And um, this week's was a great one where, as I said in the show, we had Graham Seed and we had um, Susie Riddell who joined us and I just so great. Uh, so glad to be part of the whole kind of WDM experience. So if you can't make the Zooms, because I don't always put them up as podcasts, you can go on to YouTube. Please hit that subscribe button. So w- whenever we put out uh, another broadcast, you will be notified to hit that subscribe button. Actually hit the bell. So um, that's just about it from me. Suffice to say that now it is time for our playout music, and this week we play out with not Johnny Hates Jazz, but with a rendition from Jonah Man Jazz. Toodlu, tararabit, bit, tatty bye. There you go.
0: Bye.